This is Harry Gilbert from Walkabout Country Club. I'm Jeff Campbell, Program Director for the HTM Master's Program at San Diego State University. I'm Emma Doyle from Ace Online Coach. I'm Preston Lemon from Wilson Racket Sports. We are Tennis Industry United. Hi, my name is Chris Michalowski, known as Coach Mick of the United States Tennis Association. Welcome to this episode of the Tennis Industry United podcast. Now, as you may or may not know, recently the USDA Facility Recovery Grants Program was created to help facilities defray some of the tennis-related costs associated with reopening in 2020 if your facility closed due to the impact of COVID-19. And today, we're talking facilities, and joining me is Virgil Christian and Todd Carlson. Thanks for being here, guys. Hey, Mick. It's great to be here. Hey, Coach Mick, it's great to be here with you today. You and Todd, thanks. Thanks, guys. Well, I'm going to start off by giving you guys some credit where credit is due, starting with Virgil. Virgil is a USTA Senior Director, Section Infrastructure, Tennis Venue and Design Group. And since 2006, he had led the Tennis Venue and Design Group in more than 5,000 projects. He's authored the USTA National Campus and Home of American Tennis and Tennis Industry awarded him Tennis Person of the Year in 2016. And Todd Carlson is a USTA National Manager of Tennis Venue and Design Group. He served 12 years with the USTA Texas section. He was involved in CTAs, adaptive, advocacy, adult recreation, wheelchair, tennis on campus, and the parks. Thanks for being here today, guys. Uh, Thanks, Matt. Great. So let's start with the USTA's mission, which is to promote and develop the growth of tennis. Since we're talking facilities and some college tennis today, how do facilities fit into the mission? Well, hey, Coach, let's get right into this. If we don't have facilities, we have no place to play and there's no way to really get around it. And in today's world where everything is up in the air and no one knows what's happening next. It all boils down to if tennis is going to grow and thrive, it needs a court, it needs a field, it needs a place to play. So that's kind of the way we think of it as the venue and design group is we need lines on the courts, we need nets, and we need a place for people to go and learn and to excel in tennis. So we think it's a pretty cornerstone part of the tennis world. And Virgil, you authored the National Campus, as we said earlier. Now, that went from idea to final in how long? I started walking uh, on dirt in uh, early 2013. But quite honestly, Coach, it, it happened for the USTA. I mean, it happened pretty quick. It was basically for those you know, out there listening, it's a really great tennis story in the sense that we found the value of tennis in communities and counties and states was very high once they understood what tennis was and what it could do. It was more than just forms and backhands and place to play and for player development, which it was, community tennis, which it was, college tennis, which it was. But uh, it was also the business of building something at that scale is very attractive. And um, we were fortunate to find uh, Lake Nona, and it's been great. We opened in, what, January 1st of 17, so it really happened very, very quickly. I mean, one interesting thing, though, that came of it, too, was we actually found the value of college tennis by just the way we designed it with a collegiate venue, which was relatively new. A collegiate venue off campus is not that normal in our world, in our sporting world. Hopefully, someday it will become more normal. You know, now it's a centerpiece. College tennis is a centerpiece of the campus and essentially a centerpiece of the USTA. Um, Very quick process in a lot of ways, but it was so exciting because people started to really embrace the value of tennis in their community. 
Yeah, and the campus, by watching it on television anyway, you can see it's become a center stage for college tennis. And how did you get that going and who were the people involved to create that? Well, I think college tennis, to be very, very honest with everyone, had a product that was fun in the 70s and 80s. People had four and a half, five hours to sit out in the sun on a few college campuses and just enjoy the day and, and let t- college tennis happen in the background, so to speak. But um, changing the format, shortening the format, um, and then basically what we call the product and the match was really what was essential. We brought more drama to the match. Noad scoring did that because those familiar with Noad scoring at three all or deuce, next point wins, the receiver picks the side and it's, it's the TV show, it's the drama. And then having a halftime that is controlled and, and very concise, it really changed everything to the point where our number one customer, the athletic director, and let's be honest, they are someone that are important, decided that not only would they kind of put up with tennis as one of the sports they're sponsoring, but they actually became fans of tennis. And that's what we're seeing more and more now. People are buying into the match, the college match day. Uh, format has been extremely successful. You've seen, Mick, at the Lake Nona. 1,500 folks, 2,000 folks. That's, that is pretty amazing. TV, it's an event. College tennis, I think, is in the beginning of a revival. Even though with all that's going on and the pressure of athletic departments, and that is all real. But we're in a different place than we were back in 13, when this was just kind of like a crazy idea. So I'm excited for what the future is going to hold for those student-athletes in those campuses and, and just the athletic department as a whole. Yeah, what amazes me too is like my son is an example of this as well, but you see a lot of high school players, since this is on TV now and they're watching these matches at the campus, they're talking about college players and the names and did you see so-and-so and so-and-so where you didn't see that before because now you've connected them to college tennis, which I think is a great thing. Todd, Virgil created this venue what part do you play in the success of this venue? Well, I'll tell you, I, being in charge or, or managing all the, the facility services projects throughout the countries, anywhere from just resurfacing courts to brand new construction or reconstruction. As we get these inquiries that come in, we help manage them, and, um, but we leverage the, the campus and it's just really vision casting. You know, before the, the pandemic hit, um, we were averaging probably one or two site visits by uh, city officials and uh, donors, investors uh, into their own facility at their own local level, uh, coming out to the campus and just really doing a lot of uh, vision casting and just, just sharing um, our knowledge from the business side as far as different business models, but then also opening their minds to look at this as a venue versus just a bank of four courts that's in a cage. So it's more of a destination than a, a place to go play tennis to continue on to another location. It's been fantastic when it comes to that. So after they left the campus as a whole, what do you think the number one or two things they took back with them were when they went back to their facilities? Uh, it's that aha moment, um, you know, the, seeing the different neighborhoods of a campus and looking at it more as a campus versus just a, a bank of tennis courts. They're like, OK, I, I get it. This is a place where we go to, we hang out, we create community at this location. 
and uh, we could share our passions with other people and uh, and then in- encompass the, the collegiate aspect to it, the kids, the youth, the adults. And, uh, and, and what's great is, you know, they'll see that there's wheelchair programs happening with adaptive military. Uh, and then you might have a, an extra touring pro uh, hitting on the court next to them. So it's a nice mix of different people coming together and embracing the, the same passion that they have in tennis. Yeah, I can see that because yeah. I'm there a lot and I, and I talk to a lot of people on the campus. I'm right in the center there. And a lot of people I see at the campus don't even play tennis. So they just like hanging out there. So that's a great thing. So Virgil, COVID-19 hit. What was your first thought? My first thought was, where's the opportunity for tennis? Where are we going to be in August or September? Where are those opportunities going to be? And of course, on the facility side and then a little bit with college tennis too, that's kind of been my focus this last two years on those things. I was, you know, where are the opportunities going to be? Now, tennis, um, as we start looking into the game has really, folks have really responded to tennis because of, you know, the distance and you're not on top of each other and the skills and the fun of the racket hitting the ball, which actually is something that is really special. Same with golf, you know, when the, when the golf club hits that ball right, there's no other feeling like that. It's the same with tennis. When you hit that serve or that down the line forehand, I think we forgot how special that feels for the player or the person that's just starting. So I think the opportunities were things like that and are, are going to be things like that. Being able to exercise, being able to be at, at many times outside and, and just kind of looking at the game differently, I think, was that opportunity that we're facing right, that we're seeing right now is, wow, this is a fun sport. This is something that I feel I can do with my family. Now, this will change and this will you know move on. But I think for right now, it got people looking at tennis that maybe weren't looking at tennis anymore or had never really considered tennis or had maybe even given up and said, I, you know, I'm not, I don't want to play. And then on the college side, I just think it's really given an opportunity for everyone to look at sports in the athletic department world and saying, where should tennis's place be? And I think it's gotten us really thinking about what we talked about earlier about the match and all, but you know, we can do more than just in college realm of just being place for player development. And we can actually do a spectator version. The time's going to come when people are going to go back to the campuses and, and they're going to go watch the spring matches. I mean, that's not going to go away. It's, they're, it's on a pause now, but that's going to be the path forward. And they're going to see that the college match, as it's been growing, it's going to be a really cool place to spend a couple hours. And again, like you said, where your son can go, I know, you know, that's Todd Carlson. He's plays number one. You know, that's Tim Cass. He's, he's playing one for Florida. I mean, they're going to know these players and these people. And then, of course, the other thing is, and I know I'm off a little bit on this, is one thing we forget about in the college sector and that this has given us a chance to look at is the brands are so powerful for the schools. You put Florida out there versus Florida State at the campus. Yeah, you're going to get 2,000 people. Wow. I mean, that, and, and, and the more people that have come, the more people talked about and the more they're like, never been to a college match. But now that I have, I want to go back. I, I sort of answer your question. I was like, that's where some of the opportunities I see for us. Yeah. And I love how you ended with the word opportunity and you started with that too. And that's why you're a visionary because you're looking at every situation as an opportunity for the growth of tennis. And Todd, the USTA responded 
with an opportunity in the facility recovery grants program. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Right. And just to, to piggyback off of what Virgil said at the beginning of this uh, this podcast is, you know, it's about the infrastructure. That's what we realized. If there's not a place to play, tennis won't grow. And as far as the position and the opportunity tennis has as a sport versus other contact type sports of basketball and football and, and others, I think we're, we are in a, in a great opportunity to really take advantage of that um, as a sport in general. So what USTA noticed is, okay, well, what's the first thing that, that we really have to support and help is are these facility owners and managers uh, throughout the country? First off, we wanted to assess, all right, we sent out a survey across the country to all the facility owners and managers and, and pros and that, and really asked them, you know, like, where are you right now? And are your needs? And uh, one response was financial support and facility grants. So we, we responded with that. We uh, checked all of our budgets throughout the, the company and to bring money together, $5 million in this case uh, for this grant, I'd uh, be able to really help these facilities reopen. And that, that was really the, the main focus with this grant. It's not necessarily recovering money that was lost or furloughed. The government had those opportunities to be able to help and, and support these facilities in, in that capacity. We were really looking at, okay, how can we give some money in the resources that uh, these facilities need to really focus on reopening uh, the, their centers and their clubs? And when did this start? And is there still funding available? So the grant opened. So we had about uh, three weeks to really ramp this up, get the process in place, took advantage of uh, our existing facility services grant. Um, and our project managers, our consultants, and our entire team to be able to, we, we already had that, that infrastructure in place. And uh, we incorporated this opportunity, which started, started May 4th, and uh, it goes through uh, the second week of June. And uh, to date, we've distributed $3.8 million um, of the $5 million. Uh, we, we're, we've actually distributed about 75% of all the applicants have received and been awarded uh, grant money. How many applicants? Uh, with about 1,500 uh, to date. So close to about 1,200 um, applicants uh, have received award letters. So there is a criteria. And so what would some of the criteria be to make sure you can be awarded this grant? Yep. No, absolutely. Uh, so so the, the criteria would be really owners and managers um, and, and being able to cast that clear message uh, was really the big thing that we really tried to accomplish is it's really owners and managers of facilities. You know, there, there are a number of providers out there that use the courts, uh, but focus on those that are in charge of sanitizing, uh, staffing the facility, uh, making it uh, more clean, you know, no touch type access to these facilities. And that was the main focus. And then uh, four or more courts, because we know that uh, programming can really multiply uh, when you have four courts or more um, at a facility. And then uh, open to the public. And uh, in our definition that we used um, was pretty loose, meaning that if you are a private club, um, but if you do have maybe a cardio group class, that uh, outsiders can participate in, even if it's at a little premium charge, that would be considered open to the public in our eyes. 
Well, the one thing I heard from some pros, they were just really impressed with the process and how easy the process was. It usually takes a lot of paperwork and a lot of forms. And they said they were really happy to see that the process was pretty quite simple for them to receive the grant. And they were really appreciative of that. So thanks a lot, you guys. Well, thanks for that feedback. That's always uh, great to hear. And a little data point here is we did have about 9,500 pros um, are, are impacted through this grant process. So we do see that second step that we're really looking at is first that infrastructure piece. And then now that we're focusing on the pros from, from the USTA. Now, where were the facilities projects before COVID-19 and what will your projects look like after? I'm not sure if this is for Todd or for Virgil. Can one of you guys uh, explain that? Sure. So basically all through, through April of this year, uh, we, we were averaging about three inquiries a day. So this facility services grant, for those who might not know, um, these are the grants that we provide business expertise, technical expertise, um, advocacy expertise, and funding, obviously, uh, when it comes to that as well. But we were averaging about three inquiries a day. And as you mentioned, Nick, it's been over you know, 9,000 projects since we started about 15 years ago. Over $14 million of our grant money has been distributed, and that, that's impacted over half a billion dollars of, of infrastructure. And, uh, and once, uh, once the pandemic hit, uh, we're now down to about uh, one inquiry a day or so, which makes sense. Budgets have been frozen in certain capacities. And we have frozen our grant funding for any new inquiries throughout the rest of the year. Um, however, those that have been in the pipeline, uh, we do have money still available to grant out and uh, finish those projects out. And I mean, I think what we've learned over the last 15 years since we started this program was uh, how much the desire is for just professional services and advice you know, and dreaming together. And that's a lot of what we do. Um, The grant is important, don't get me wrong. Um, For some places, it kind of makes or breaks it. But for some folks out there, and we are doing so many more bigger projects now. And when I say that, that's like, you know, five, six, seven and above projects, where really what they're looking for is concepts, designs, and really advice on how do I speak to my mayor? How do I present to the city council? What would a P&L look like? Because I need to present in a business way of why the city, we're asking the city to spend $20 million on an outdoor uh, tennis venue. So these are the services that we've gotten very proficient at. And more and more, that is what folks are really looking for. They're like, look, I'm a university. I have a donor. I got to be able to explain how this is going to work. I need to show a picture. So... Um, that's where Todd has kind of taken this and, 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 and ramped it up to a whole different level. So those that are listening out there that might be like, you know, I, I would love to present something to my city, to my county, but I don't have $20,000 to get a, a concept done. I don't have $30,000 to hire someone right now when I don't have anything, well, I don't know what I'm doing. But that's where the USDA comes in. You know, that's where you can reach out to us and we can say, let us help you. Let us help you get your dream going. Let us walk with you just a little bit longer so we can perhaps, and and we've been very successful, we can get a a tennis facility in your backyard, in your neighborhood, in your community, at your university. 
And I would also add to that, you know, the great, great response there, uh, Virgil, is is really the, we're not focused on solely USTA. And we're, talk, we're talking TE and NIS, right? It's, it's about tennis and growing the game of tennis. It doesn't matter if you're a public facility or a private club. Um, we're going to help and support you with all these resources. If you are private, you know, the, the grant funds won't be available, but all the other aspects, we're here to help and, and promote your, uh, your project. Yeah, I think most of us can understand to some point anyway, the technical aspects, but then you add in the advocacy, the development and the funding and all that, which really rounds out the project. That's that's great stuff. And, and that's a huge help for somebody that isn't experienced in those areas. So if someone wants to get more information on this, where can they go to find out more about this? USCA.com slash facilities. That'd be a, a quick, uh, and then facilities at USTA.com would be a good uh, email address as well. So USTA.com forward slash facilities and then email address facilities at USTA.com. So if you want more information, go ahead and go to that page or send us an email and one of these guys will get back to you. All right. So speaking right. of a facility, you know, we've said the words facility and venue. So what's the difference? What's the difference between a facility <laughs> and a venue? Well, you know, this is one of the first times this question's probably been asked, Coach. Uh, that's a great, it's a great question and something we've been kind of really thinking about for a long time. Today's tennis venue is kind of the football stadium. It's not just courts with fencing, like Todd mentioned before. It's a place where people come and they can play, but they also can watch. And that's what we're seeing more and more being built because it works, especially on a college campus, to have seating and, and concessions, that's a venue, locker rooms, that's the venue, and the teams play there. But here's the really the amazing thing about tennis that I think we're not all seeing as clearly. Tennis is that one sport where if you build a venue, you can also have league tennis, tennis on campus, junior tennis, academy tennis, adaptive tennis, wheelchair tennis. You can bring the whole community to the campus. And that's really special. Not many sports can do that and at the same time do the revenue of that. Because tennis is something where people like to play tennis. They, they will pay to play tennis in a nice venue, at a nice place. That's where collegiate tennis has such a great opportunity. And that's why we see what's being built on campus today, even though we're in a, a very tough time. We have major venues being renovated or built, whether it's at University of Georgia, the mecca of college tennis, Mississippi State, Ohio State, Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia, University of South Carolina, ECU, Memphis. And that's what Todd and I are working with, along with Tim Cass and Scott Tribley, part of this holistic team. This is amazing, this investment in college tennis, and it's really investing into the community and college tennis benefits and the community benefits. And, and it literally, the reason it's even becoming successful is the athletic department is really benefiting from this holistic approach to it. Um, yeah, I'd like, I'd like to get into that a little bit, because when you think of a college facility, most view it as like a home court for the men's and women's teams. It might be used for other athletic teams to train in or or as even like a benefit to the students and the staff to be able to use that while they're there. But you see it as a potential for a profit center. Can you explain? Yeah, 
Yes. I mean, yeah, whether it's profit or I like to think of it as a revenue uh, generator, which that's for sure. Um, And it can be a major revenue generator. Um, You you build an indoor facility of six to eight courts and you're bringing in quite a bit of revenue. And at the same time, you're hosting your men's and women's tennis team. No other sport on campus really can do that. You don't see people saying, hey, we have a ladies league playing in the football stadium. They're playing touch football or tackle football. When, I mean, why would I say that? So, of course, they're playing tackle football. Uh, we have oh, the lacrosse team is running it, the whole field out. And they might run it out to an academy, but they're not going to get the volume that the tennis venue is going to get. So you have fans there that are bringing in revenue. You have fans there that are playing bringing in revenue. You had tickets to that. You had fundraising, which tennis is very, has historically been very successful in getting more successful now because of the product. And when I say that, I'm going to build on not only the team product, but now the venue is a product in the sense that here's the picture, here's the money, and the check is in written. And they feel like I'm getting something that's real for my investment at the university. So you really, if we can really flip this on the side and maybe even 180 degrees and then have collegiate tennis become a one of the drivers in the athletic department. That's where it's going. There's a lot of schools that have discovered that and more are beginning to talk to their friends. When I say friends, the athletic director world is saying, wait a second, look what I did here. Look what I'm doing here. And we have some really exciting projects that haven't been announced yet by the university, but are really in this model where they're thinking, make tennis venue the cornerstone of maybe even a district, an athletic district. Maybe maybe it's not even an athletic district. Maybe it's just a district of other things. But because of what it can do and because it's so versatile, if it's opened up, remember, if you and I, Chris, play on that court, we're not that as good as we once were, but we're not really going to hurt it. Where a field and other places, you might be like, ah, we just don't want to take that risk. You and I can play doubles and it's going to look the same as it did before we started playing doubles, except my ego is probably going to be very bruised after losing to you, but that's the only thing that's really going to be the problem, not the court, not the surface. This is the magic that can happen. But when I say can happen, it actually is happening. We have a couple things that are coming up. For example, there's a project in um, Compton, California, where they're taking tennis as a cornerstone for an athletic district. There's a project in right outside of Austin, Texas, where tennis is the cornerstone for uh, large developments. So this is just really exciting. And there'll be some university tie-ins to those too. But again, going back to the university, there's some things coming that are going to be super exciting, but it's something that tennis can own that no other sport on the athletic world really can do. I'm pumped about that because this is going to be the golden era of college tennis. I totally agree. And I remember myself, I was a baseball, basketball, and football player. And I remember going to a venue and watching the local college play a match and saying to myself, I want to be a part of this. And one of my friends was a tennis player and that impacted me. How can these facilities other than just me, impact the community? Well, if done correctly, they are the community. Let me explain. If you do this correctly, like we just talked about, you become the community hub. Hey, that's where I play tennis. Oh, but that's where I bought the t-shirt for, let's say, Penn State. That's where I'm wearing my t-shirt. And oh, that's where I bought my ticket for that Penn State versus, let's say, University of Michigan match. It'll be sold out. 
but that becomes the community. So if we look at it differently, it's like not trying to fit it into the community, let college tennis become the community. That's where the professor goes to play his doubles match at seven in the morning before he gives a lecture on statistics. That's his community. But then he came back to the match and bought the ticket. Or he turned on the Big Ten Network and he watched the match. That becomes the community. So again, if we look at it with fresh, with a different perspective, and it's, it's happening, so it doesn't have to be that fresh. I mean, it's, it's right there. We're, we're on TV. Uh, where there's there's a network TV, there's linear, there's digital, there's people coming to matches, they're selling hot dogs and coats and all that. It's happening. But if we can really sit back and listen and watch and learn, these facilities will become a major fabric in the community at large, whether it's at the university community or, like I mentioned, in Cedar Park or Compton, it was going to just be part of the community at large. And that's where I go to play. That's where I go to study after I have my match. This is my community. Hey, Virgil, and, and to add to that, I mean, in, when you're talking community, it's also a nice resource to get people onto their campus. So mm-hmm. you might have uh, high schools playing on the campus there, being that community-oriented type of college. Uh, now it's a nice recruiting opportunity for these colleges to let people see what these uh, what the campus looks like get people onto their site um, also like at, at TCU there's three community tennis associations that are highly connected to TCU and they, they play their league matches out there now whenever there is a match being played they're out there cheering on their team because now it is their team and uh, and their players are going out into the community and attending, you know, the retirement home little tennis uh, activity that's going on. So it's a great mix uh, between college and the community. And and I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, I love how you're opening that up, because when I was in elementary school, I looked up to high school players. I didn't look up to college players yet because they just couldn't relate. And when you're in high school, Mm -hmm. you look up to college players, not after. And so you're really connecting. There's like a void in there and you're connecting that void and keeping that relationship going by by creating that community through a college campus. Anyway, if you were a club owner, how would you structure a club for the next 50 years? Because I thought about this question and 20 years ago, it was, well, we have to take out some courts and put in a basketball court or put in a track and make this a full health club. But you also see some tennis clubs that are successful with tennis only. What does the next 50 years look like? Yeah, I think people are looking at tennis differently than they did before. You're exactly right. There was that fitness model where eight court club, you know, two courts were taken out and the fitness place was put in. I think we're finding, again, speaking of folks that are investing, buying real estate to build and all, they've seen the, the numbers and they're very bullish on tennis. I do think what we are seeing and what we're developing and actually what we're designing, quite frankly, is more of a racket center model where it's not just tennis, but, you know, let's say the P words, maybe pickleball, maybe it's pop tennis. Maybe it's above ground platform tennis, or maybe it's Fidel. Maybe it's all four of them. Maybe it's all five living together. But I think what we look for as a club owner, what the club owner who's our customer, 
not that the league player isn't our customer, they are, but the club owner is actually making the decision on investing dollars into some infrastructure. So they are our number one customer. What they're saying to Todd and I and, and the USJ is, I'm at 60%, but I need to get to 75%. I need 150 more people a week to come through my doors. How do I do that? Is it um, a restaurant and a grill? Maybe. Is it fitness? Maybe we've tried all those and that might be the answer for that customer. But what we now are seeing is it might be pickleball. It might be Fidel that will bring these new folks in the doors. And ultimately, from our perspective, they're going to then see tennis and maybe look back towards tennis, especially now. Before the COVID thing, we were seeing it. But now I think, wow, I'm really looking back at tennis. But how do we get them in the doors Chris, that's the key. We can't sell our product from the shelf if we can't get them in the door. And right now, we've been okay, I think, as an industry at times to kind of default and think, do we really, oh, we need to get them through the door? We'll just, we'll speak this language or do this or that. No, no, no. That's important. I'm not saying that's not important, but what is the most important thing we can do is have a coach walk them in the door, show them tennis that is a powerful sales tool. So we bring the facility in, the coach in together, like we talked about earlier, and then we introduce them to tennis. The sell is pretty easy. So we look at, going forward, the owner in trying to solve his or her problems with solutions. Just saying, have you thought about pickleball? Have you thought about Padel? Because what they're trying to do is get more people through the door that week. What we want from the tennis side is like, hey, if I get another 150 people through his door, I bet I can convert 50% of them because I believe in the game and I believe in your pros and your people. So it's a great play for us in the, in the tennis world to look at it as a racket center or let's call it a racket venue. I don't know why. Yeah, racket venue. <laughs> yeah. Could you see this being almost as a retention tool as well? Because if you got a tennis player and they decide, hey, I want to go try pickleball and they go play it somewhere else and they decide they like it. Are you going to be losing yeah. that tennis player? But if you bring pickleball in, they can do both. Do you see it as a retention tool yeah. as well or yeah, not so much? I, I do. I do. I, I, look, we have to believe in the marketplace and believe in our product. I know this is some language that folks are probably listening are like, what is this guy talking about? I mean, product, marketplace, and a lot of you do understand what I'm saying. We, we have to look at this like we look at the iPhone or, or whatever else. We look at a car or for that sake, a typewriter. I mean, what is the product and what is the marketplace? Okay. And when we look at it that way, it's like, I believe in tennis 100%. It's a great game. It's a fun game. It's not like it hasn't been around and nothing's really changed that is the enjoyment of playing. I mean, the enjoyment of playing is still there, but if we can't get them on the court or in the club, they're never going to really remember or know what it is all about anymore. So I believe in tennis. So if they come into pickleball, I know they're going to convert people to tennis because tennis is a great game. If they come playing padel, I know they're going to then go, wait, I love tennis. I forgot how much I did. I just saw Charlie and Susie playing. You know, I'm going to come to the club one more time now. I'm playing Tuesday, Thursday, I play Padel, but I'm going to now play start tennis too. And I'm going to play another time. I'm going to be exercising three days a week instead of, instead of two days a week. You got to be a believer in your product. You can't try to hide it or protect it and go, no, we don't want to talk about it. I think you have to embrace it and go, hey, come on in. Here's some options. Hey, you can go to fitness too. We, you know, it's funny. 
Chris, we've never really said anything. Well, don't add a fitness center. We have. And guess what? We've won people over. They've come to fitness and they say, geez, now I want to play a skill game with a racket and a ball. And they play tennis. So I just think we have to be bold and listen. And then I think if we are, then and make sure our club owner, we listen to them. And, and this is, that's where we'll get the racket center model going. It's happening. It's, they're, they're being built right now. I mean, I can't tell you are any open yet, but in July, I know we have one opening in Zephyr, Zephyr Hills, Florida. You'll see a racket center open up and it's going to, and we're designing a lot right now. And we've got dozens in design, but it's coming. And then I think it'll be a beneficial to tennis. I know it will be. So Todd, when you get these campus visits, are they inquiring about pickleball? Right. There's a, it really depends. I mean, it's about the demand and the culture of their, their local market. There are some situations where people are saying, you know what, we're getting, you know, our doors being knocked on left and right. There's really that demand for this. And in that case, we do in our designs, in, in the conversation and in our business models that we develop, uh, we do incorporate the, the pickleball piece or Pidel or pop tennis, any of those complementary type racket sports. And uh, that's what we're getting. Uh, and just, you know, showing that the campus, you know, we do have a pickleball program uh, currently and uh, leveraging the, the 36 foot courts that we have. Uh, that, that's a whole nother thing. I mean, <clears throat> these owners and managers, they're looking at their square footage and how do they get the, the best value out of their square footage, just like a basketball court. So, you know, we're trying to help them with their business model and uh, being the most efficient and effective they can uh, to the market. Well, you guys, that's some great information. I'm going to slowly wrap this up and I'm going to ask you a general question here, but you both are visionaries. So this applies to you for sure. But if you could make one change in tennis overall, what would you do or what would that change be? If I could just make one change. And by the way, Chris, thank you for your time. You've been a great, um, this has been this has been very easy and you've been very insightful in some of your questions and things I haven't really actually thought as much about. And that's probably why I stumbled to some of them. You had really had some very interesting insights. So thank you. Um, but if I can make one change, and if I was the commissioner for the day, I would move to one rating system tomorrow. I would take all the governing bodies and everyone that said, let's get one system so the customer, the player, and the people from the outside that are viewing pro tennis and viewing college tennis can understand the whole pathway. Virgil's at this point, Chris is at this point, and Roger is at this point. I get the progression of the game now. That would be the biggest game changer for the growth of tennis that we've seen in a long time. It'd be even bigger than what's happening in college tennis. I think it'd be bigger than the rule change to bring blended lines to tennis, which was huge, 36 and 60 foot line. I think that would be something that would change tennis for the better for years to come. And it would actually put us into a something that people can understand. They don't understand junior competition right now. They don't really understand college as much, even though the format has helped tremendously. But if they had a, a rating, and I know that J.J. Wolf from Ohio State is, as a junior is at this level and Rogers at that level, then it makes sense to me. Oh, there is a gap of X. I get it. Or maybe there's not that big of a gap. Oh, I get that. Or how good is a woman's college player versus a man's professional player? Oh, there's not much difference. I think that would be the biggest thing that we could do for tennis, T-E-N-N-I-S. And make 
just to add to this, I, my thought would be to, to really embrace the, the Tennis Industry United group, um, the, the continuation of this and not just keep it for this time being through this pandemic, but really embrace this. And it's been so educational hearing the insights from all aspects of tennis in every walk of life and really embracing that and having a centralized group that can then have strategic direction when it comes to tennis. That sounds great. And I did receive a text as we're speaking here from Scott Tribley. So he wants to add into the conversation here. And he said, one serve. If I could make one change, it would be one serve. I know that was big during the Becker era, but I haven't heard that for a while. So we may get into that. But I just want to say thank you to Virgil. Todd and Scott, that was some great information. And I'm a firm believer that providers and facilities are the key to growing the game. And in my case, I work with teaching professionals a lot and they need facilities. So I want to thank you for your insight. It sounds like you both have a solid vision. You have the right players on board and collaborating with facilities and college tennis to act as catalysts to growing the game. I think it's great stuff. Now, do you have any closing comments or encouraging words for those who operate a club or campus facility and are listening right now, like a possible next step or where can they go to get more info if they want? I mean, I think the one thing is uh, Tom mentioned our website. I mean, we're here to help. We're, we're customer driven client focused. We're actually here to help. Even though you hear the USTA national governing body, we're here to talk to the folks that are looking to resurface to court, maybe to the point of building a, a huge complex in Texas. We are here to help. Even on the simplest questions, you know, uh, we are here for you. There's no charge to what we do. And that's the beauty of it. Um, We are here to help you grow the game. Because as I say over and over again, and Todd probably tired of hearing it, is that you all are doing the hard work. If you're thinking about doing anything at your facility, even if it's just putting up new new nets or, or backdrops or even building, you're doing the hard work for tennis and we appreciate that. We want to be a resource and that's really what I would want people to take away from it. Like, hey, we're here on the same team and we're here to help you. Great point, Virgil. And really, just to, to simplify it, we'll meet you where you are and, uh, and help you take those next steps. And Todd, can you give us that URL one more time where people can go for more information? Uh, sure. It's uh, usta.com slash facilities. Well, thanks for being here, guys. Uh, thanks, Chris. We really appreciate your time. Thanks for your insight and questions. Well, that wraps it up for this episode of the Tennis Industry United podcast. I want to thank you for listening. I'd like to thank my special guests, Virgil Christian and Todd Carlson and Scott Tribley, and their continued success in growing the game of tennis through facilities and college tennis. And remember, everything you need to know about the support and assistance currently provided or now in development can be found on the website, tennisindustryunited.com. I'm Chris Michalowski. And until next time, keep your head up, be safe and stay well. And remember, we're all in this together. Tennis Tennis Industry Industry United. United.